0: the biggest thing is it starts with one person. It starts with one person getting curious about the feelings that they're going through and educating themselves and then slowly starting to spread that within their community. Um, bringing up this language in conversation, recommending the Bernie Browns, like knowing your audience and just like working it to, to, have them be more open to it, because I think that the way you normalize it is by being vulnerable yourself.
1: Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us. You are now tuned into Trish Chat, a series that aims to normalize vulnerability through conversation. Our episodes promote meaningful dialogue around identity, culture, and real-life stories. We are your hosts, Steph and Jess, and everything you'll hear in our episodes are based on personal experiences. Be sure to tune in every Monday to hear our latest episodes. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Trish Chat. My name is Steph, and I'm here with Jess. Hello, everyone. I was going to be like, how's everybody doing? But they can't respond. So (laughs) I don't understand why I was going to ask that. Um, quick note, we are using our backup mic for reasons that we will share at a later time. So for this episode and maybe a couple more episodes, our audio is going to sound different. Um, maybe not as crisp as it normally um, sounds, so please bear with us. The content is just as good. The audio is just a little bit different. <laughs> yes. Um, so this week, uh, Jess and I want to talk about shame. Um we we've been talking about the fact that because um for those of us who are sheltering from home um we're spending so much more time at home with ourselves with our loved ones there are a lot of things that we were able to like suppress before that is now coming up um shame being one of them so we wanted to do an episode to to talk through these and as you, if you've listened to episodes before, you know that I'm a huge Brene Brown fan. Brene Brown um studies shame, so she has a lot of research um on shame, and she actually has a whole book on shame called I Thought It Was Just Me. Um so definitely recommend checking it out if you know you're interested in learning more about shame once you um listen to this episode. So to get us started, I wanted to share the definition of shame because of the fact that I think shame is such a big word. It encompasses so much. Yeah. um, And I feel like it can be confused with so many other things. So the definition of shame, according to Brene Brown, so all the definitions that I'll share are from Brene Brown. So if you want to learn more about it, you can just um, pick up her book or you can Google her name and whatever we talk about. So according to Brene Brown, shame is the intense Intensely painful feeling or experience of believing we are flawed and therefore unworthy of acceptance and belonging. And shame creates feelings of fear, blame, and disconnect. She also notes that women often experience shame when they are entangled in a web of layered, conflicting, and competing social and community expectations. So that's shame. So I want to talk um, through this with Jess in terms of like how shame has shown up. Um, Or manifested manifested itself um, in our lives, and I want to talk a little bit about shame in my life because again, I I mentioned that shame is a really big word, and even when I read about shame, it still felt like that definition is really clear, but it still feels so like grand and big to me. So I want to share a couple of concrete examples to maybe help you um, connect with yourself and think about maybe how shame has. manifested itself in your life how it showed up in your life so i want to talk about um a, a couple of things um and the main one being that i i'm gonna joke around because you know how most people when you're in an interview they're like what is your biggest way you're like, "Well, oh, i'm a perfectionist but everyone's bsing that answer mm-hmm. um i do feel a deep sense of like perfectionism in me, And I'm not saying that as like a way to brag. I'm saying that as like actually something that I like an area of opportunity for me, where I feel that I need to be perfect in the way that I show up with little room for air. And that's really nuanced because I'm a queer woman of color. And in many times, I am the only one in the room. So I'm representing a whole like spectrum of gender, sexuality, like mm-hmm. ethnicity. I'm representing that for like a lot of people. Like I am the only one, like the way I act and the way I present myself is going to be the way that a lot of people in that room are going to take away their perception of people of color, of queer people, women, et cetera.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it, there's a lot of nuance to it, but I have a deep sense of like um, perfectionism where I feel like I need to be perfect in the way that I show up and I need to get it right. And so what's happened to me a lot is that at work, I have this deep sense of like perfectionism. And particularly when I'm finding myself like taking on a new job or a new project, I feel like I am so easily triggered. Like my shame is so easily triggered because if I'm in a meeting and I get an answer incorrect or I say something and someone like corrects, has corrected me or like, I get feedback from my manager that that isn't negative, but it isn't positive. It's not like, Oh my God, you're doing such a great job, but it's like, you know, like I would really love to see you do more of like X and Y. My shame has been triggered where I'm like, Oh, like I screwed everything up. I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm not smart enough. Like I, I don't belong here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I, 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 like, I, I don't, I, like, I'm not even worthy of, like, these people giving me this feedback is what I felt. Like, I, I, yeah. I just, like, I fucked everything up. Like, I just, I suck. Yeah.
0: Um.
1: And there's some imposter syndrome, you know, to that. tied to that. But a big part of it is perfectionism because of the fact that it also shows up in other ways in my life, in other forms. So, in my personal life, um, Jess and I did an episode on, you know, us getting a dog and there have been many times this is just one example but it's been like in a bunch of other things where Jess will say hey um like you like you're supposed to say off to Baxter not like leave it like you're you're confusing him mm-hmm. and I get really defensive because it triggers in me like oh you're a bad dog mom mm-hmm. like you don't even know what you're doing like you're screwing up this dog because you." you're just so terrible um so it just like for me it feels like like I feel heat in my chest when I feel shame I feel like like oh my god like I've been like I've been like unclothed in a way Mm -hmm. I feel so shitty Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um I just feel so small
0: yeah
1: um and it brings back so many things that I think for For years, like I would feel a little glimpse of that. And then I would go into like my responses to like suppress it really quickly. And I want to, I want to talk about those responses, um, within a framework that Brené Brown provides just to give people a little bit more like structure. So Brené Brown talks about the common reactions to shame. Um, and she talks about a shame screen, which is a defense mechanism that we use to protect ourselves. Um, because shame triggers our primal uh, flight and freeze response. So she says that when we are triggered by shame, we usually, one, move against shame, which means that we try to gain control or power over others or start being aggressive. We Second is we move away from shame. We withdraw, hide, keep secrets, stay silent. Or third, we move towards shame by seeking approval and belonging. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I lean towards like the the first two of like trying to gain control or withdrawing or hiding. And so in a work setting, what I would do is um I would just like try and gain control. I would do more work. I would take on more projects. I would take on more things. Like I would, I would be like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to take on seven more projects because uh, like, I, I'm just going to get control of this thing. Like I, you know, this person is going to like, this manager is going to give me this positive feedback. Like they're, they're going to give me this feedback or like this person is going to know that I know what I'm talking about, even though I made that one little mistake. Mm -hmm. So I would, I would do that and it would come at the expense of my work-life balance, at the expense of my health. And then in my personal life with you, like I would lash out. Um, I, I remember like, you know, instances where you would say that to me and I would just like, I would get really aggressive where I would be like, I'm just trying to like teach him something. Like, I don't understand why you're down my back about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd be like, "Whoa!" Like I was not even trying to say anything; I was just trying to get us on the same page. Right. And I would get super, um, defensive about it. So that's those are like a couple of examples of how shame has shown up in my life. Um, what about you, Jess?
0: Yeah, I can relate to that uh, on every level. Um, I'm glad that you explained what. Um, the different ways that i guess we we deal with shame. Yeah, cuz to me I feel like those are just those are like stages for me, <laughs> in all of my shame. First I'm trying to get control. 1st I I'm I'm Then it's that yeah, if one thing doesn't work, I go to the next. But I think the biggest um I think the biggest way shame has shown up for me or one of the biggest examples here is with um I guess my sexuality and coming out, mm. um, you know, before I came out and even in the beginning of coming out, cause it was a, it was a gradual process. There was a lot of shame in, in being gay, uh, for me. And, you know, I don't, I don't think I have shame in it anymore, but, um, at the time when I was much younger, um, there was a lot of shame associated with being queer and. Mm-hmm. You know, granted, there's a lot of other things tied into that. In that, we live in a very homophobic society. Oh yes, we do. And so there's there's safety things that that kind of go into that. But um, I think for me, though, when you know I started really realizing that I was gay, and you know I was starting to date people or or be sexually active with people, I there was definitely a lot of shame in that, and 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 you mentioning those stages I, I feel like I went through all of those it was a lot of like hiding and just like not you know really like not talking about it yeah. and and keeping it to myself and making sure that nobody knew mm-hmm. with the exception of the person that I was with um there was a sense of like getting control there was a sense of like validation mm-hmm. you know there was times where I would like try to like throw a softball at somebody about like not physically a softball, but just, like, <laughs> you know, something to, like, get the conversation started on, like, let me find out how they feel about, like, queerness and LG- the LGBTQ community. And that's how I started warming up to them. And if it went bad in the conversation, I would kind of hide and be like, okay, I can't talk to this person about yeah. this big thing in my life. And, you know, there was there was definitely a lot of shame there because there were many times where I was really happy in a relationship or I was going through it and I couldn't go to anyone because there was so much shame behind my sexuality that how was I ever going to explain what I was feeling when so much of what I was feeling was tied to my sexuality. Yeah. I was like I was giving only bits and pieces of who I was and like the situation and I never completely felt better because there was so much to it that that person or group didn't know. Yeah. And so I think that, um, yeah, when I think back to like the biggest shame I've ever had, it's, it's, it's that. And it's a very scary place. Because for me, you know, when we started talking about doing this episode, I, I was talking to Steph. And I said, you know, it's funny when I think about shame, because I get shame and guilt confused all the time. And I think you're going to go into it or feel free to jump in now. Um, Brene Brown says it perfectly and like i know Steph brings her up every episode because she's a huge fan but i am a huge fan as well and like it was her books that really have helped me understand the difference between shame and guilt by definition but even now when i think back it's hard for me to reflect and say okay that one time was shame that other time was guilt i have to i have to really really think about it to understand it because it can be very confusing yeah and so the difference here is shame is correct me if i'm wrong it's like i feel unworthy like i feel like um i'm not good enough
1: and then guilt is more tied to i did something wrong right so uh shame is about you that's the person and guilt is about the action so um guilt is i did something bad and shame is i am bad
0: yeah there you go
1: so so yeah so there is there is like there's there's a lot of things that get intertwined together and it can be very confusing I think Brene Brown does a really great job of like going through the nuances of those I still think there's even more nuance Mm -hmm. um I think as a person of color like there's still just a lot more like nuance that gets thrown into um this sort of stuff because of the way that I show up um in society because of the way that society perceives me because of the way that queer people of color I've seen in the yeah. workplace in different areas so I think that there's still like a lot more nuance that has to be unpacked but I think Bernie Brown does a great job of like um unpacking shame which is yeah a really 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 big topic and um I like so many times that I went to see my therapist I would be talking through something and I'd be like yeah you know and this is what I'm feeling and she'd be like it sounds like it's shame and I'd be like no, I, d- I don't. Yeah, let's not talk about that. Let's move on. Now. Let's uh, come up with
0: another word because you were shame. You were shame for your.
1: You were shame feeling shameful about the shame that you didn't know you had. The the thing with me is that I associated shame with like horrendous actions. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. I thought that people who felt shame were people who went through like incredibly traumatic experience. People who did like, in like incredibly wrong things not someone who like showed up at work and like was just trying to fit in
0: yeah that I guess that's why language is so important right like um, like, I just that vocabulary shame has always been in my vocabulary but it was never by definition in my vocabulary yeah I really had to think about it and so I totally get that um there's definitely been times where you've told me like just
1: that's shame and I'm like no it's not because no one wants (laughs) it this is the thing it's like I think people want to own up to like, I feel happy. I feel, you know, mm-hmm. I think sad and angry, are like cool, like negative emotions to like,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: they're on the cooler spectrum.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I feel like shame is something that no one wants to touch. No one wants to say that they feel shame. No one wants to like
0: mm-hmm. even
1: go near that for me again. It's because I was like, no, no, no. Like that's for people who like have gone through like a tremendous thing. Like that's not for me. Yeah. And um, I
0: think for maybe other people, maybe I can relate more to this. It's like, shame is tied to like not having it together and like it's so internalized that you just don't it's like it's like weakness and nobody wants to admit to that right yeah um and kind of going back to what I was saying about like my sexuality and stuff I think the biggest shame with that was everything I mentioned but I think for me when it came down to like my family and friends like maybe mostly my family it's like I've kind of been the kid that always had it together. Yeah. I've always been the one to just, like, figure things out, figure things out for my family, um, the one that has answers. And, like, you know, on on the surface, it looks like I, I, I'm, I like, calm, cool, and collected. And I felt like coming out I was going to deduct points
1: off of who I was. Mm, you weren't going to be perfect anymore. Anyway. Yeah,
0: I was going to be seen as his like this terrible person or somebody who's like wow you are really flawed yeah I think that was the
1: biggest shame block for me it's kind of like oh you know Jess is like she's like she she graduated college she got an amazing job she's like financially independent but she's gay right right and that was like for
0: me that was always going to like overpower all my other successes and like I felt like that was
1: going to define me Mm. in in those in in those people's eyes um and in many ways it does define us for some people because yes. for some people it doesn't matter it just matters that you're gay and they're like yeah yeah true
0: yeah but like to my understanding my family doesn't see me that way my friends don't see me like my yeah. friends and family see me for like how I treat people and yeah. like other ways so but as a young 18 19 year old like that that's not what i was thinking i was just thinking the worst thing and i was trying to gain control of it and come up with different ways of how I was going to come out and and do this um and then just like to give people examples i think another one for me was um when i left my job back in new york after being somewhere for so long and 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 having a team and, and having all that um There was a lot of excitement in leaving, but I think the biggest shame for me was that I was, for the first time, leaving a job without a job. Yeah. And the idea of having to admit that I was unemployed, there was so much shame behind that after a while. Like, at first, it was like the excitement of moving to a new city and all that. And then, like, when it finally settled in, I was like, holy shit, like, I don't have a job. Who am I? You know, like, Mm, there was so much. So much of my identity was tied to what I did, and I yeah. mentioned this in other episodes but There was so much shame behind that, and it sucks to think that like we live in a society where so much of our identity is tied to our careers and what we do for a living, and like how people see you um that it like brainwashes you to think that like you're not worthy if you don't have that. Yeah, and I think that's why a lot of people stay in roles and jobs and companies. And in relationships. In and relationships and, and things that give them that status that, that are tied to their identity. Um, that they they refuse to ever remove themselves from that because they don't want to be seen as other. Or they don't want to deal with those feelings. And I totally get that because when you are accustomed to a culture that revolves itself around status you know of all sorts that we just mentioned it's kind of hard to go up against that and it's one thing to come come to that on your own and be like okay I'm good I don't need to do that um I'm not what I you know I'm not defined by what I do who I'm with where I live you know all these things um that's just that's just stage one stage two is then like Admitting this to people, having conversations with people, and having them project their shit onto you. Yeah, and that's that's where the work comes in because Mm -hmm. then you're gonna start second guessing yourself when people are projecting their stuff. They're like, "Oh, you don't have a job? What happened?" Or like, "Yeah, are you not worried? Are you this? Are you that? You're gonna rely on your partner?" Like all this type of stuff that, like, if you're not like super Um, comfortable in in that decision or have come to terms with it or are confident in yourself and your abilities that can destroy you that can destroy you and there's a lot of there was a lot of shame in that for me because I had never done that before I had like I said I, I was the first first one in my family to graduate from college I got a good job I climbed the corporate ladder I you know I got married, I, you know, like, all that shit, and then, you know, at, one, at, at some point in your life, you're like, yeah, I'm just gonna leave it there, and people don't understand that, you know, people don't yeah. understand how you would do that, because you see someone work so hard for something, and then they leave it, it's like, it's kind of, it makes their whole idea of you crumble, but it's also like, wait, that's the way it's supposed to be, and now... Now I have to, like, accept that it's not that way.
1: Yeah. I think I also saw the shame in you when, like, we would go to places and people would be like, oh, like, like, what do you do? And I'd be like, oh, I I work here, blah, blah, blah. And they'd be like, what about you? And you'd be like, oh, I'm I'm looking for, like, a new role, Mm -hmm. right? And sometimes people would be like, oh, dope, like, what are you looking for a role in? And other times people would be like, oh, okay. And it would get, like, really awkward. And I could see that you felt that shame of, like, oh, like... Yeah. I'm not. I'm not like. I'm not good enough. Like people see that I, I'm. I'm like definitely just on it. Just another just because again,
0: like people, people put their shit on you. and It's just so awkward, right? Like I mean, they're projecting when, their shit on you. Yeah, especially when you don't know that person very well. Like, yeah, and then, I mean, yeah. In San Francisco, it's like if you don't work in tech, it's like it's a whole different conversation, you yeah, know, like there's, yeah. there's a lot of like status and working in that. So yeah, we can get into that another time. But yeah. Those are like the two
1: biggest examples for me when it comes to like how shame has shown up for me. So it sounds like you, based on, on the way that Brené Brown shared the, the shame deflectors that you, you did all of them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were like definitely stages for me.
1: You select above all if this was a multiple yes, choice test. Yes. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about like um the keys or the framework that Brene Brown shares for dealing with shame. But I first want to talk about like how we came to, to learn what our shame triggers were. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that's really important, right? Because I can share Brene Brown's like framework and I'd say this is my framework. But if you don't know at that very moment that what you are experiencing and what is Causing you to act a certain way is shame, it's going to be really hard for you to deploy that framework and use it. Yeah. So, I want to talk about how we came to learn what our shame triggers are. So, for me, I get like a body sensation when I feel shame. Um, and it's really hard to explain, but I do, I feel like heat in my chest when I feel shame. um I know that that's different from anxiety because when I feel anxiety, I feel like hot and cold and tightness mm-hmm. um when it's just like I feel heat in my chest I know that, that that's probably shame um I also like feel really small mm-hmm. um it's a hard feeling to explain but that's how I feel um and so I also start to go <clears throat> down a spiral so there there are times where where Jess may say like where Jess may say um Uh, she'll say something. She'll say like, hey, you're supposed to, you're not supposed to say that to Baxter, you're supposed to say this. And I start feeling that heat in my chest. But then I also start working myself up. I start telling myself a story. Mm -hmm. And I have to stop myself when I'm telling myself that story because that story comes, this is like seconds. This is not like 30 minutes passes and I've like told myself this. This is like shit. Like she thinks that I'm a terrible dog mom because I am a terrible dog mom. Mm -hmm. Like I have to stop myself and be like, hold on. This is about this one thing that I said. This is not about me. Like I have to remind myself that constantly. And I still mess up. There's still times where um Jess will, will like be like, Hey, can you like start the cooking while I go and drop this off? And then she comes back and she's like, wait, like it's not done yet. And I feel and I I I'm ready to just like rip her a new one. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, I'm trying to do everything at once. Like, what do you think? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay. <laughs> This is not. This is not her saying that I'm not fast enough. This is not her saying that I'm not yeah. like that. I'm not a good wife. That I'm not a good whatever it may be. She's being a little impatient. It's okay. <laughs> um, so, those those are like I start. To, I have to check in with myself when I start feeling these feelings because um, I feel heat in the chest. I start telling myself a story. I feel small. Like that's how. Like I just came to learn about that. Through one experience, through awareness. So once my therapist started using the word shame and like started defining it for me, and recommended the Brene Brown book, and I started getting more into Brene Brown. Once I had that awareness of that, I couldn't. I couldn't turn away from shame. I could not turn. I could not be like, oh, like I don't like that. That's like that's not what I feel. I couldn't do the thing that I was doing with my therapist of like, no, I don't want to talk about shame. Like let's talk about something else. Mm -hmm. So. I think once you start getting curious about shame, you're not, it's going to be hard for you to just like turn away from it and, and just like continue lashing out or continue using whatever mechanism you use. You're going to start, even if it's like in hindsight, because for me at first it was in hindsight where you would like, you would say something to me, I would lash out. In hindsight, I would be like, oh shit, like that was a little bit harsh. Mm-hmm. Like, why did I do that? Or you'd be like, why are you like, wh- wh- why did it get to this? Like, I was just saying that mm-hmm. I was just asking because I'm really hungry. Um, so I think once you become curious and you, you start building that awareness, mm-hmm. you'll start to notice what's happening to you during those instances. And even if it's like in hindsight where you're like, shit, like I lashed out or, you know, I didn't go to this like social gathering because I was withdrawing from people you can start thinking back of like what led me to this like what was I feeling Mm
0: -hmm. and then you can
1: start developing a list of like these are the things that I feel when shame comes up
0: Mm -hmm. yeah totally and I want to give you credit like you've come a long way with that because I feel like you're so quick to um like when you do lash out or you have a moment and like I I give you that feedback you're pretty quick to be like you know what you're right I'm sorry like because you're so aware of your triggers and like your stages, like you're just like, Yes, that was shame or yes, that was this. Um, so just wanted to make that a note because that's really impressive to see like your growth from when we started dating to now. Yeah. Because that was not that quick. Like like that that's awesome that you're able to do that and like that you're open enough to take that feedback. I Um, mean
1: and and knowing knowing that I have this deep rooted sense of like needing to be perfect and get it right. Mm -hmm. I know that the moment that someone says like, Hey, so I want to give you feedback or like, Hey, like you're not really supposed to, I have to immediately start preparing myself. Like, okay, it's going to be okay. This is not about you. This is about your action. Because now I know that the moment that someone's going to start to give me feedback, that that's going to trigger shame. And I know that immediately because I'm like, okay, and I'm a person that's been told that I take feedback really well, but I think it's because I've just used those like <laughs> yeah. those like shame mechanisms or triggers. But in reality, like I'm I'm like dying on the inside. Like, <laughs> oh my god, I'm a terrible person. So I know that when it comes to receiving feedback, I need to be very careful. So the moment that someone starts giving me feedback, and feedback doesn't have to be in a formal feedback session. Feedback is like just being like, hey, like I asked you not to put your shoes there. Can you not do that? Yeah. Like even even that's about to be like, okay. This is about the shoes. This is not about me. This is about the action, not about me. Mm -hmm. So just also be mindful of, like, if you can, like, theme, like, your triggers, then you will know, like, okay, this is about to happen. Like, if you're like me where it's like, okay, I'm about to get feedback, remember, it's not about, it's not about you. Mm -hmm. It's about, you know, this particular action. Then you can start to, you know, be gain more awareness of those triggers and, like, change the way that you respond to them.
0: Yeah, and I think it helps when your partner or your community understands that about you. Like, yeah. they understand what your triggers are or, you know, how you deal with shame or whatever. It it just, because I understand that now, I know that, I know how to give you feedback or how to have a conversation with you about it and know mm-hmm. that you're lashing out is not you lashing, it's not about me. Yeah. And that it's literally so tied up into shame or trauma yeah that I don't take it personally I try not to
1: and you know I've also come a long way with that as well yeah yeah and I mean just just will sometimes like I'm not I'm not perfect I have to say that several times if that's part of my ways of like dealing with with this like deep-rooted sense of perfectionism that I need to have so I still I still will sometimes lash out like I she'll still sometimes say like hey can you not put those shoes there I already asked you not to do that Mm -hmm. and I'll be like I just had a really stressful day like I don't understand what you want me to do like I'm cooking I'm doing all this stuff and that would piss somebody off right because they'll be like I just fucking asked you to do one simple thing like why can't you do it and Jess will be like are you feeling shame like (laughs) this is not about you this is just about the shoes and I'd be like oh yeah let me move those right now you know yeah you get this like
0: pouty face like you you look like a little kid when you when when you see that i see you you just like, yeah that's what it was and like (laughs) it's really it's really cute because i'm just like she's being vulnerable and she sees that i see her and like then that's when there's we're able to have a dialogue and it's not just us screaming at each other yeah yeah so i think that we've come a long way in that respect um i would have to agree i think a lot of the ones you mentioned about like how how shame comes up for me. I definitely feel I guess that like heat in my chest and yeah. like it's also tied to just like nervousness that I feel yeah. in general. Like if I have anxiety or I'm nervous about something, like I just my stomach's all fucked up. But um I also start telling myself a story like in my head and it becomes very like I'm not compassionate to myself. Like it becomes yeah. very clear to me that I'm um Telling myself I'm not good enough, and then I start thinking about what other people are thinking of me and and then I try to gain control um and then I typically kind of scale myself back and i I kind of go into hiding, yeah, I need to like wrap my head around, yeah like, what the fuck is happening um so yeah, and I guess for me it's confusing because I feel like I handle a lot of things like that. Um, <laughs> not, not only, like, shame, but just, like, because I'm a super anxious person, I constantly want control, and, like, I know that I have no control over many things, and so yeah. I've kind of used what you just mentioned, um those, I guess, triggers or those warnings as, like, awareness for me to be like, okay, this is shame. This is yeah. this is what's coming up for me. Um and I think the the telling yourself the story part is like the biggest one for me because yeah. when I have to start telling my story myself a story and I'm coming up with all these different things, I know that it's shame because I'm trying to that's my way of trying to control it. Yeah. Like I have to make sense of this in order for it to make sense to me. And for me, it's almost like I'm trying to outshame myself. Like, I'm telling myself a story in the sense that it's, like, it, it be, in the beginning it becomes about me, but then I try to move it away where it's, like, no, it's not about me. It can't be about me. But then it's, like, is it about me? And so it's, like, it, it's a fucked up cycle for me. But um, I think that uh, being aware of it has definitely helped speed up that process for me and to understand what that actually is. Um, Instead of just sitting in it and retreating for days or months or weeks or whatever,
1: I I think that once you build that awareness, it's it becomes um you you gain you gain a skill where you're able to identify when you're telling yourself a story and you start to question like actually what's true here, Mm -hmm. right? Because once you start telling yourself that story, you really distort your own reality where then you don't recognize what's true and what's not true, right? Like with just saying. You still haven't put those shoes away. Like I asked you already, I I can tell myself. a story. She thinks I'm a terrible wife. Right. Like she thinks that she thinks that I'm not good enough. That I I don't respect her. That I don't love her because I didn't put the shoes away. Mm-hmm. And she's like super upset with me. She might not love me anymore. And it's like, what's true? What what is true? The the truth is that I didn't put the shoes. Um, she she already asked me that, and I didn't put the shoes away. And right now, the truth is that she's saying to me that she's pissed because i didn't put the shoes where she asked me to
0: yeah that's
1: it that's so that's all i know i don't know anything else and if i want to verify the other pieces of information i would need to go and ask her like hey do you not love me anymore because i didn't put the shoes but like sometimes it has to get to that point you know where you're just like i'm telling myself this story and i just and you can say that like i'm telling myself a story that you think i'm a terrible wife because you asked me to do that before and I, i haven't done it
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I was just going to mention that, like, giving an example of it, and that's perfect. It's, like, stick to the facts. Like, the facts are what's going to, like, what's going to get you through. Um, Because oftentimes, the story is what drives all of our emotions and our decision-making. And um, sometimes it can make us look like an ass when, in fact, like, we made up this whole story and that other party or group or whatever... Didn't feel any of that, yeah. And you just made all these like decisions or decisions in your head that didn't necessarily have to happen instead of just having a conversation. Um, assuming you can't have the conversation,
1: yeah, yeah, a hundred percent agree. And I think there's a, a big piece here in in the 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 line that we're mentioning about telling ourselves the story, um, and that that's rooted in secrecy. Um, Mm -hmm. Brene Brown says that like shame thrives in secrecy. So the more that you like, don't share what you're feeling shame about, the more that you will feel that shame. Um, and so I want to talk about her like shame resilience theory. Um, so she talks about a, a framework, like the four elements of shame resilience and shame resilience is, um, a theory based on building resilience to shame By connecting to our authentic selves and growing meaningful relationships with other people, so shame resilience involves moving towards empathy. Um, And Brene Brown talks about you know three pieces, which is courage, connection, and compassion, when we are experiencing shame, and to move away from shame. So the four elements of that shame resilience that Brene Brown talks about are one, recognizing shame and understanding our triggers, so understanding like your physical responses. Um, to shame, um, two is practicing critical awareness, so it's knowing why something exists, how it works, how our society is impacted or impacting on that something and who benefits from it. Um, the third piece is reaching out and telling our story. so that's reaching out to your support network um, or someone that you care about to be able to share um, with them like why you're feeling that way or what caused you to feel that way. And then speaking shame. Um, because as I mentioned, um, it's survival depends on going undetected through secrecy and, and silence. So if we're able to recognize and understand our triggers, if we're able to reach out to others and if we're able to like practice communicating about our shame with other people, um, and, and, and using our own compassion and our courage, um, while doing that, then we're able to like work through um, and building shame resilience because the truth is that like we're always going to feel shame. Like there's going to be points in our lives when we feel shame. It's more about like being able to instead of sitting in that shame for days, hours, weeks, months, being able to like use that same like shame resilience framework to move towards a place where you can have some empathy for yourself and some compassion, and be able to understand that what you feel is shame and that it's okay to feel that and move past that so based on that um just what like what advice would we give to someone who is grappling with shame <coughs> right now let's say by bernie brown's book <laughs> all her books
0: um i was just trying to look up like which book she talks most about shame but i feel like she talks about i thought hour. it was
1: just me it's, yeah it's the book on shame yeah but I feel like in all her books, she it's a big
0: it's like the center of
1: it, yeah, because that that's like she studies vulnerability and shame, and those are her yeah. pieces that's why so like she
0: research I thought it was just me, right? Yeah. Um, I would say if you're really interested in understanding shame and like understanding within within your, yourself, I would buy that book. I would look into her other books. If you don't want to buy a book and you want to start small, check out her TED Talk. She's a couple of them, I believe. Uh, She also had a Netflix special. Uh, She just launched a podcast. I know a lot about Brittany Brown. Yeah. Um, And, you know, Steph mentioned this, but I find comfort in knowing that I'm not alone in this process. And what I mean by that is that I find comfort in knowing that I'm not the only one who's ever had shame. And I Mm -hmm. will not be the only one who's ever... Like, I won't be the last person to have shame. Um, We all go through it. It's just a matter of awareness and wanting to deal with it. Like, I'm going to deal with shame for the rest of my life. But because I'm educating myself, I'm reading, I'm admitting to it, I'm becoming more aware of, like, the feelings and the stages behind it, it's going to feel less shitty, I guess, um, or scary, whereas I'm like, yeah, that's shame. And I know how to deal with shame. I know the steps that I can take to make myself feel better. Um, And just really listening to your body, like your body really tells you a lot about everything, to be honest, like, that's usually the first thing to kind of your first warning that something's off or something feels good or whatnot. And shame always feels bad to me in a sense like it always feels like you know that 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 heat in your body your 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 heart racing like things like that where really get curious about that because it's not going away it's not going away and it's better to just understand what it is and know that you're not alone um because that's what's kind of helped me just educating knowing I'm not alone and you know, talking to you stuff about it, talking yeah. to other people about it, um, and really opening myself up to that that vulnerability piece because it makes you feel it makes me feel closer to people when I know that um,
1: I haven't been the only one
0: to go to go through this.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would definitely say to check out Brene Brown's book. Like, you don't have to buy the book if you if you don't have the funds to buy the book. You can try and see if your local library has it. Um, or maybe if like a used bookstore has it at a more discounted, um, Libby, the yeah. app price. Yeah. yeah can get it on there. Um, or you can like, um, uh, maybe just look up like that, that shame resilience framework online and, and mm-hmm. see if like maybe you can just work off those four, um, those four pieces on the resilience framework. Um, I mean, I definitely as always, the, the things that I always recommend for any of this is like therapy if you're able to um afford it or you're able to uh like if your if your employer has like a program where you're able to get therapy. Um podcasts um I think are helpful. Um, there there're tons of podcasts on shame, as just mentioned, Brene Brown has a podcast. Um and then there's other things like journaling. Um when you're feeling when you feel whatever you may feel where you know that this is something very intense that you're feeling, you may not have the words to put to it. You may have just lashed out at someone. You may have just like left a place because you felt like this immense something. Mm-hmm. Write write it down. Like carry a little journal with you and write it down. And, you know, maybe once a week read back. Like journal every day and read back through those pages of like, mm-hmm. what was it that I was feeling? Like be precise. What did your body feel? What did you feel like emotionally And maybe that's a way for you to track and see like when you feel shame and what that what that what that trigger is for you, because you might be able to find like some sort of consistency in what you were doing, what was said to you, what happened for you to understand like, okay, these are my shame triggers. This is what I feel in my body. This is what I feel emotionally. This is how I react. And once you have that awareness, I think it becomes much easier for you to then start building that shame resilience and start doing the other pieces and to be able to like talk to others about it um, because you have more of that awareness of of what's going on. Um, If you can't do any of those things um, and you have a partner or a parent or a friend, a trusted person that you can call and talk to about these things and maybe pick up the phone and call them or like, um, like video chat them where you can say like this just happened and I just want to talk through it like this is what I was doing this is what I felt like this is what happened this is what I felt and then this is what I did right and then that way you have someone who's a trusted person that you can be vulnerable with who can either maybe express to you like it sounds like what you were feeling was shame or who can validate like it's totally normal to feel those things in that situation, but who can also maybe keep track so that after you share this a couple of times, they can be like, you know, I noticed that you feel this when like X is said to you when X happens. And I noticed that this is the way that you respond.
0: Yeah. And I think it's important. You mentioned that, like, when you're reaching out to people, it's also, if you know, if you know what you're looking for from that person, i like to say what i'm looking for so if i'm calling i'm like hey i just want some validation in this yeah or, hey i just want you to listen or hey you know whatever it is i think the beauty about journaling which i've been talking to friends about is like you can just write the most raw feelings in there and nobody's interrupting you yeah like you ha- you it's just you the pen and, and the paper and like there's no judgment there around it and like you can be as raw as possible um, and I know that it, journaling can be really tough for people because they have never done it, you're just kind of like, I don't even know what I'm doing. For me, the biggest time journaling has been beneficial for me has been when I've been going through fucking dark shit. And that's usually yeah. what started, like, this routine of journaling. Yeah. Um, but I still do ask, like, if you can, if you're willing to try it, just give it a shot because, again, like, There is no interruption there. I know sometimes when you're talking to certain friends or family members or whoever, there's some, there's, there's naturally interruption there because people project, Project. they project and they're typically like, they're typically waiting to respond because they, they want to be helpful. Yeah. And so, you know, choose wisely who you're talking to because sometimes that people, people's answers will trigger you. And so that's why I say like, be very clear about what you're looking for from someone. Yeah. People are just trying to be helpful in the way they know how to be helpful, and some people just know how to respond and know how to like try to say the, the right thing. Um, and sometimes you're just not looking for that. Sometimes you're just looking for someone to just like validate you or just listen.
1: Yeah. Don't don't talk to your one-upper friend about this. Like the friend that's like, "Oh, you felt that? Psh, let me tell you what I felt last week, right?" Yeah, or yeah. the person who's like, "Oh my god, that happened to you?" <laughs> um, yeah. So you know, just you have to filter and and talk to the people who truly like deserve that vulnerability and who are going to be um, able to provide you with what you need at that point. Agreed. Uh, so to close off, Jess, I want to talk um, about like, how can we as individuals, like what can we do to create a world where I want to say there are fewer shame triggers, but, um, I kind of want to rephrase that to say we're like, we can normalize shame. Yeah. Just normalize it. <laughs> How do we normalize it?
0: Um, all the things we just said, but I think the the biggest thing is it starts with one person. It starts with one person getting curious about the feelings that they're going through and educating themselves, and then slowly starting to spread that within their community. Um bringing up this language in conversation, recommending the the Brene Browns, like knowing your audience and just like working it to, to have them be more open to it. Because I think that the way you normalize it is by being vulnerable yourself. Unfortunately, that's usually the start of fortunately and unfortunately, because that's, it's very scary to be vulnerable. Um, Some for some, it's it's more scary than others, but it honestly starts with you and just, like, getting curious, opening up the dialogue, sharing, maybe sharing part of your story, um, asking your community, like, how they feel about things, and, you know, sharing those things, whether it is TED Talks, whether it is books, whether it is podcasts, like, I come, you know, I I come across things, and I just, I just share it with people, I'm just like, you know what, like, if even just, I'll share it with, like, 25 people, and even if one person watches it, or that's, like, I'm okay with that, or even if nobody does, it's like, that was my way of being vulnerable and that was my way of sharing my resources, that could change someone's life, yeah, that could change, like, I'm all about sharing resources, because I know how much it's changed my life, and I know that, Sometimes people are going through shit that they don't want to talk about. And if I can share this one resource that will help them, maybe it's not specifically what they're 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 going through, but maybe that sparks an interest in like, oh, I watched this. Maybe I should watch this next TED Talk that talks about vulnerability yeah. or whatever, guilt and, and things like that. Um our minds work very fast. We have a very um low attention a small attention span and so for me when I'm watching one thing it triggers something else and then something else and yeah. something else and then by the end of the day I'm like holy shit I just learned all about this and I learned that I have so much shame yeah you know so I would say all of that um would be my thing and yeah that's that's how I that's how I've done it personally
1: yeah it's I think vulnerability is is, is the answer and and talking about it um I, I've I've seen people where I'm like, I can sense that you're going through some shit, but you are like holding it tight to the chest and you don't want to talk about it. And you know, we have to respect that. Um, but sometimes I feel like there's deep shame um in people and, and they don't talk about the things that they're going through because of that shame. So I try to be um as open as I as I can and, and talk about when I do feel shame so that it, be, it can become normal for other people where when other people are feeling a certain way, they could be like, maybe that's shame. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they are feeling that shame, they they can think like, okay, it's not just me that feels that because there is a lot of times. The reason why therapy to me is helpful is because I'm like, well, you know, this was happening and I felt this. And when I say it, I'm like, Oh my, I like, I cringe a little. Mm-hmm. And my therapist would be like, yeah, like, it's totally, it's totally expected that you would feel this Mm -hmm. way going through this. And that is, that to me, I'm like, the session can be done. Like, that's it. That's all I need. Because you sometimes just need to recognize that what you feel is okay for you to feel. Yeah. Because a lot of times (laughs) we spend the energy trying to not feel the shame that we feel because we feel that we are the only ones feeling that, and that we shouldn't feel that. Mm-hmm. I said feel a lot just now. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Um, and if we just didn't spend that much energy trying to suppress the feelings and actually just work through them, mm-hmm. think about how much time we would save.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, just just normalizing that, and when you can, just like for people who like deserve that vulnerability, mm-hmm. just try not leaving that door open for them um when you can just does a really good job of like leaving that door um open for people um so that they can feel like the, those around you can feel like oh like this is totally shame this is a normal thing for me to feel
0: yeah no definitely i love that you said that about like the validation and, and like therapy i i can totally relate to that we're so privileged to have awesome therapists and and have the, the the financial means to do that um but that's that's why I love therapy too it's like you I literally can go in and have like make up this whole story say all these things and you know my therapist will just say that that one thing and to validate me and I'm like oh my god I
1: feel so much better like I feel seen yeah People I want
0: to be seen yeah it's like holy like you get this I'm like what you, like i'm like are you sure that's what you think and she's <laughs> like yes yes that's valid and so yeah there's so much comfort in that and um so if you can find someone to do that for you and, and and be that for you like that's a game changer
1: yeah or give yourself permission right so maybe put on a post-it in in your mirror um in the bathroom or or you know by your bed like I give myself permission to feel. I give myself permission to feel shame. I give myself permission to be vulnerable. Give yourself those permissions um, so that at those moments where you are feeling um, shame or you're feeling rel- like low, you can see, like, eh, oh, it's okay for me to feel that. Like, that's, it's cool. Like, I can feel this right now.
0: Yeah, basically, what would you say to someone if they were in your shoes and they were coming at you? Yeah. You would likely wait way more kind than you are to yourself so show yourself the same compassion that you would show others unless you're a total asshole and then don't do that because compassion I find that I show way more compassion to like my loved ones than I do to myself so I try to remind remind myself like hey you're being really harsh on yourself you would never say that to someone who came to you and had those feelings so just ease up yeah you know
1: yeah boom on that note, yeah, drop in the mic.
0: Yes, awesome. Well,
1: wow. thanks for tuning in. Um, we appreciate your time. Um, bye. Yeah. <laughs> Until next time. Peace. Bye.